Welcome to Marriage, Family, and New Beginnings. This is a podcast mini-series where I will discuss several topics in relation to healing and repair of a damaged relationship or beginning a new healthier relationship using principles from The Family, A Proclamation to the World, studied more deeply through the book Successful Marriages and Families, Proclamation Principles and Research Perspectives from the BYU Studies and School of Family Life. Welcome to episode six. In this episode, we will look into chapter two, the ABCs of successful romantic relationships. So while some may be in the process of rebuilding your marriages and others may be in the place where they've already divorced and are getting ready to enter the dating world. There are a few things to consider when it comes to successful romantic relationships, and I want to share some of the information that was learned through this chapter in hopes that it will help everyone to avoid making mistakes in the getting to know you phase. (laughs) Um, Even when you're continuing your relationship, you're essentially starting a new relationship. Um... Maybe some of you will want to share this information with your youth as well. Um, But let's get into this. And we're going to talk first about what exactly are the ABCs. Um, The ABC actually includes D&E as well. (laughs) So it's a five-phase development of heterosexual Romantic, romantic relationships. These phases are listed in the chapter as follows. A is awareness or acquaintance with another person. B is buildup of the relationship. C, continuation following commitment to long-term relationship, which may result in marriage for many couples. D is deterioration or decline in the interdependence of the couple. E is ending of the relationship. These phases are not always sequential, and few relationships go through all five phases. Relationships can terminate in any phase, and indeed most should. Remember, this is talking about dating. <laughs> not We have not in the case of marriage yet, but... Um, In some instances, couples double back to a previous phase because of unfinished business or because an event or new knowledge suggests that they need to back up. So again, just to note that while this is mostly in reference to a new relationship, I truly believe that in the process of reestablishing a broken relationship, I think it's essential to start building a new relationship. So I feel like this is still part of the process of repairing a broken marriage as well as beginning a new one after divorce. So it applies to both situations still. The book notes that there is also a a pre-A phase that consists of preparing for success. It is a quote by um, President Thomas S. Monson. And he says, decisions determine destiny. 
That is why it's worthwhile to look ahead, to set a course, to be at least partly ready when the moment of decision comes. Thus, we must look ahead to the type of marriage we want, set a course toward that goal, and then prepare every needful thing. Your family experiences, your relationships with significant other adults and peers, and your personality, attitudes, and emotional health are just a few of the factors that influence how well you master the ABCs of mate selection. So I want to address some of the things listed here, especially in the betrayal situations that we have been through, that it is a very important step to first overcome the past. So that first, the first kind of thing that you want to do is to, in that pre-A phase, is um, come to terms with the past and move forward with faith. So it says in the book, research shows that your family background has an influence on success in finding an eternal companion. However, these researchers know that current circumstances combine with cumul- combine with cumulative history, and this allows for change. In other words, we are not condemned by our past. It's always there, but things that happen to us in the present and what we choose in the present to do about the past determine who we are and how we will do in the search for an eternal companion. So if you remember last episode, I talked about how our past experiences can refine us and make us even stronger. That's that's true not only for victims or for the betrayed, but I think it's also for the offenders if they so choose. We are not held to our past and we can make the choice to move forward. We can recover and build strong marriages. So the book goes on and it says, while therapy, good books, and good role models outside of the family are certainly helpful. Ultimately, the doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially the plan of salvation and the atonement, are the most powerful agents of change. So, in coming to terms with the past, part of the process of moving forward in our new relationships involves first taking care of those mental health issues. Some of these issues may have come from the betrayal within our marriage, Others may be something we've dealt with for our whole lives. The book says, Being prepared for success in choosing an eternal companion should include taking care of tendencies toward common emotional challenges like depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and the like. After taking care of issues from your family and peer relationships and any personal emotional issues, what do you do next? You make efforts to initiate relationships with the opposite sex. So I want to add here, in a relationship that is being rebuilt, efforts can begin to reinitiate a new relationship with your spouse who has also worked through the mental and emotional work required for a successful attempt at starting that marriage again. Kind of a beginning phase, I guess. You then you kind of just move into this next phase. And the next phase is awareness and acquaintance phase. 
So this is usually when you decide if you're attracted to the person. (laughs) For a divorced person, this is applicable. You're looking for a new person. For a married person, hopefully you still see your spouse as an attractive person, (laughs) knowing that they still have qualities that are wonderful and that are to be admired. Um, But about physical attraction, Elder Bruce R. McConkie stated, The right person for you to marry is someone for whom the natural and wholesome and normal affection that should exist does exist. So in other words, finding someone attractive is certainly an appropriate first step and is common and natural. (laughs) The chapter continues saying, beyond physical attraction, what are the qualities that people should look for in a long-term relationship and how do people find them? In addition to temple worthiness, Elder Richard G. Scott suggested several essential attributes that bring happiness that we should look for in a potential mate. A possible mate should have a deep love for the Lord and His commandments and a determination to live them. A possible mate should also be kindly understanding, forgiving of others, and willing to give of self with the desire to have a family crowned with beautiful children and a commitment to each other from the principles of truth in the home. This particular aspect is certainly geared toward someone who has not yet married and have kids already. However, it still stands as a great way to investigate if a relationship will be worth the time and effort of continuing. From there, you have the relationship buildup. And this is a process that all relationships need. And especially when reestablishing a new relationship with your spouse, you are going to have to move beyond the acquaintance stage and work on building up the marriage again. Often in these um, betrayed, infidelity and betrayed situations, you get to this point where you kind of have to go back to the beginning and start all over again and start building a foundation and building that trust. And so it's, it is a process to build up the marriage. The book says those who successfully progress in the relationships from the acquaintance to build up use pro-social maintenance behaviors. These behaviors include things like high levels of routine contact and activity. For example, calling, texting, going places together, or just spending lots of time together, providing emotional support and positivity, comforting each other and being optimistic, talking about the relationship, shared feelings about the relationship and feelings of love, and instrumental support, such as sharing tasks or giving advice. This is definitely a crucial stage, especially if you're moving on from divorce and beginning to date again. However, again, all of these things apply to married couples rebuilding a relationship of trust after infidelity as well. Essentially, you begin again and create a totally different marriage built on trust. And by and using all of these small acts to kind of build that foundation. The next couple of steps um, mostly apply to women who have divorced and are moving forward with dating 
and have reached this next step. Um, it is it is a desire for mutual influence in a relationship. And I guess it does apply also to married couples because you're going to want to establish that if that wasn't established before. But a study showed that most LDS women desired to have an equal relationship. So they wanted to be able to contribute fully to all aspects of the relationship while expecting the same from their partner. The book says they sought a relationship in which both partners were contributing fully, caring wholly, and bringing their particular strengths to the relationship. Now, it, the book also goes on and they point out this fact. They say, a mutual influence relationship was difficult, if not impossible, if the relationship started out as physical. Women who were in a relationship with men with whom they could have mutual influence had higher quality and more stable relationships than than couples in more physically based relationships or unequal relationships. So this little fact makes me think that it would be wise to be much slower on the physical part of the relationship until you have a really good idea of who that person is that you're dating and and if you can trust them and if you can confide in them. Um, in the chapter, it quotes Marvin J. Ashton, and he is speaking about love. He says, true love is a process. True love requires personal action. Love must be a conti- love must be continuing to be real. Love takes time. Too often, expediency, infatuation, stimulation, persuasion, or lust are mistaken for love. How hollow, how empty, if our love is no deeper than the arousal of momentary feeling or the expression in words of what is no more lasting than the time it takes to speak them. I think that is a wonderful quote to contemplate, to really think about um, what love is. It's not, it's not fast. It's not infatuation. It's not, it's not fleeting. Love takes time. Now, we may be able to move toward marriage from this point, um, once we've established this, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to address, um, if we come to a point when we realize the relationship should end. So if we see that maybe there's some of this expediency infatuation, maybe it just isn't right. Um, the book says church leaders counsel that when there is a lack of love, temptations to break commandments and covenants or partners who do not inspire the best in you. Couples need to think seriously about ending the relationship. Certainly, if one of you does not receive clear spiritual confirmation, or if there are critical issues, one should seriously consider whether the relationship is viable. So how do we do that without losing our dignity? (laughs) The book outlines this process in relation to a scripture in DNC 121-41-44. And this is the advice given for how to end it. So it says, 
One may need to be long-suffering, gentle, meek, and kind with a partner who does not understand or resists change. The counsel given in verses 43 and 44 may seem extreme, but when considered carefully, it is some of the best counsel we can get for ending a relationship. So I'm not going to read the the scripture, but I'm going to go on to... um, talk about it. And hopefully you can, this is a popular one. So hopefully it comes to mind, but it says to reprove means to correct and be times means early on. Thus, when pure knowledge received by the Holy ghost helps us understand a relationship must end, we should correct the situation and the relationship quickly and not let it drag on. The word sharply can mean with clarity. So think of a sharp image rather than with severity. As it is most often interpreted, sorry, (laughs) think of a sharp image rather than with severity as it is most often interpreted. (laughs) Thus, while being as loving and kind as we can, we should make it clear that the relationship is ending and why rather than beating around the bush and hoping that the partner will get the message. Again, this should be done with kindness, meekness, and love unfeigned, recognizing that even if the partner has hurt us in some way, he or she is a beloved child of God and should be treated accordingly. So, finally, (laughs) if we don't feel like it's necessary to cut off or end a relationship, We go ahead then and move forward. We continue to commit. At this point, it's probably wise to seek the Spirit of the Lord and His direction to help you determine what the right choice is. It's also pointed out that when we want to receive an answer of this nature, we want to make sure that we are keeping the commandments and keeping our covenants we made and do our part in the asking by studying it out in our minds. And then after we've done that and we are sure and steady, then we can bring it to the Lord to get his blessing. One thing the book also points out um, is about spiritual confirmation. And this is what it says. Spiritual confirmation. At la- One last point is that spiritual confirmation needs to come to both parties involved. A person should not feel that if his or her partner receives a confirmation, that he or she is therefore released from the necessity of seeking a similar confirmation. So you get to decide for yourself. You don't have to go off of what somebody else somebody else um, says is their answer. You get to have your own spiritual um, revelation in that regard. In closing, my hope is that these steps have given some additional um, direction about how to move forward in rebuilding your current marriage (laughs) or that it has given you more direction and understanding on how to establish a new healthy relationship with somebody new. Understanding that the getting to know you process is very important to pursue before extending 
intimate trust or physical affection too quickly is an important piece to keep in mind. So thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode where we will talk about foundational processes for an enduring healthy marriage. Thank you for listening. See you on the next one. I am not a professional and this podcast is not meant to be a replacement for professional advice. The information presented here simply reflects my own experience with others and observations on the subjects studied within the proclamation as well as within the book Successful Marriages and Families, Proclamation Principles and Research Perspectives from the BYU Studies and School of Family Life. This is not meant to replace individual or marriage therapy.